Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows every week, go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button and become a member because when you become a member, you get access to every Thursday member show plus the Tuesday shows ad-free. And when we do an overtime show, you get access to the overtime segment as well, all on the website and the Castos app. Thank you very much in advance for those who want to help support the show. That's again, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button and you can become a member today. All right, friends, listen, we are coming up on the release of the Dogman documentary. We have titled it Expedition Dogman through Legion of Legends. And if you want to get early VIP access to that, the VIP access, the income that we get from that will go towards helping us on the next journey, which we are planning right now. And oh my Lord, if we can pull this off, it is going to be an epic location. I'm very excited about it if we can do it, but we have other plans in mind as well, obviously as backup. But if you want to see the documentary first, if you want to be the first one in the world to see it, you got to be a VIP. And in order to do that, you got to go to our website, www.merkel.media. That's it. No.com, just www.merkel.media. And there you can become a VIP for $25 and we will be releasing world premiere VIP release on March 11th, 2022 at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will be dropping the Expedition Dogman right there on the website, www.merkel.media. 
And if you don't want to invest in the next trip, that is fine as well. We'll be premiering it for a world public premiere two weeks later on March 25th on the Confessionals YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to just wait a couple weeks, you can go ahead and check it out on the YouTube channel, The Confessionals. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button and the alarm bell button so you're alerted when we go live. Thank you very much in advance, friends. And now we're going to do a little bit of a spiel because I feel compelled to. I've been talking to the people on Instagram Live this week, and I got actually a really good reaction to some of the things that I was talking about. So I figured, you know what, let's just include it in the intro today. You guys hear me talk about it a lot. Preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. I talk about it because I mean it. I talk about it because I live it. Two years ago, when everything started going to hell in this world, I partnered with My Patriot Supply because I wanted to offer my listeners the ability to get access to emergency preparedness food at a good price. And with what's going on in the world today, friends, you need to think about it. If you do not want to use emergency preparedness food, that is fine. Like I've said to you before, you can do this at your grocery store. What I highly suggest you do Because the way the world is going right now, we don't know what's going to be on the shelves very long from now. I highly suggest you stock up on canned goods because they will last a decent amount of time for you. And moving forward with what I project is going to be coming down the road personally. Now, granted, I'm a dystopian futurist. So take keep that in mind because I have a very bleak outlook on the future of society, period. But with what I personally see coming. The canned goods might hold more value in trade than a dollar bill. And so with that in mind, if you don't want emergency preparedness food through me, that's fine. Just get the canned goods because it also will serve as a currency in the future, I personally believe. But preparewiththeconfessionals.com, you can get yourself a four-week emergency supply of food for $247. You're knocking off $50 by purchasing it through me. And you can get also a three-month supply of food for $747, knocking off $150 right there. That's savings. But also, friends, it's going to be something that you might really want to think about doing for the future of you and your family. I've talked about it a lot over the years, and I usually just breeze through it real quick, but I just wanted to take some time today to talk to you a little bit about what I have done. You see, just a couple nights ago, I bought a whole other round of emergency supplies. I have had some. Now I'm stocking up on more because I want to make sure that in the worst case scenario, my kids are going to be good. I'll eat 500 calories a day if I have to, just to make sure that they have enough food to survive on and I prefer not to. So I ordered more food. And also on top of that, friends, we're moving to a whole other state, me and my family. And uh, when we get down there, we're going to be building chicken coops, greenhouses so we can grow food year round. More self-sustainability is what my goal is in my personal life. And here's a little tip, a little trick that I've been talking to people about on Instagram live this week when I was talking about this whole subject matter with the people is that If you want to make sure that in case there's a whole system failure, maybe the electronics go down, maybe there's an EMP attack. If you don't know what EMP attacks are, just look it up. But it is a very real possibility and you should be prepared for it. And I think we're going to do a show moving forward in the future talking about these kinds of things. But I was telling people to prepare with downloading information off the internet 
for offline reading and understanding. And I suggested, and I actually went out after I suggested this, I went out and did it myself so that I can practice what I preach. I went to Walmart and bought a burner phone. It cost me $59.99. It has 32 gigs of data on it that I can store stuff on. And it just hooks up to my Wi-Fi. It doesn't have any phone calling plan. I don't need it for that. I just hooked it up to my Wi-Fi and I downloaded an app. The app is called Kiwix, I think. K-I-W-I-X. There's other apps out there that you can download and I plan on downloading them to figure out which one's the best. I just downloaded this one. I'm trying to figure out how to use it, but it's K-I-W-I-X. And what you can do is you can actually download Wikipedia files, uh, pages, onto your phone for future use. So if you want to use survival stuff like what berries are good to eat, how to build a greenhouse, how to build a chicken coop, all that kind of stuff, medical things. There's a lot of medical uh, Wikipedias out there. You can download that to your phone so that it's offline. So in case things go south, you have access to that information. But what I would say is this. I mentioned the EMP. So if we lose power or let's just say it this way, if we lose the ability to call people because the cell phone towers are going down, but we still have electricity, yeah, the phone's good. But if we have an EMP attack, this phone and all your electronics will be wiped out instantaneously unless you have it in a Faraday cage. So look into that. They're not that expensive, but you can just keep this phone that you purchase as a burner phone for this information to have downloaded in a Faraday cage so that if that happens and an EMP does happen, you can still pull this out of the Faraday cage and it will work fine and perfectly acceptable as far as the information goes. So you can be one step ahead on the survival route. So friends, that's just a little tip that I have been implementing in my personal life. I think that we're in a position right now where we are on a seesaw and things could tip one way or it could tip the other way. We hope that it kind of tips one way or maybe just stays balanced in the middle would be nice. But if it turns the way that we don't want it to turn, you got to make sure you're prepared. Especially if you're listening to me and you have family that you're taking care of. If your kids are grown, then just Pat them on the butt and say, good job, kids. Uh, You have your own family. Go figure it out. Good job. But uh, if you are taking care of children still, like I am, you got to start thinking about the possibilities moving forward as to what you're going to do and how you're going to react to certain situations. And that's why I think that, well, maybe we'll do an emergency preparedness type show where we talk about what happens if an EMP attack happens? How do we survive? What happens if you're living in the city and that happens? What is your environment compared to somebody living out in the country? There's benefits and cons to both, to be honest with you. And so maybe we'll do a show moving forward in that light just to kind of help prepare people and get your brain working in that way where you know you don't have to implement everything. And I don't encourage you to implement everything at one time. But it's good to start thinking about these kind of things and just start preparing mentally and maybe even fiscally and, and uh, with stocking your shelves in your home just so that if something bad does happen, you're going to be prepared. So that's my little bit of a spiel in this intro, a little bit longer intro, but I just wanted to share that information with you guys because with what's happening globally right now in the world, I don't want to you know get too deep on it, but uh, I do think that it would behoove us stateside to prepare for something possibly bad happening. So that said, friends, emergency preparedness food can be purchased at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. If you're interested, like I said, go to your grocery store, get canned goods if you're not interested in this because they will last a decent period of time. And moving forward, they actually, I believe, could be currency. And so that's a big help as well. But just make sure you and your family are prepared. 
Moving forward now, we have Joseph coming on the show today. And I got a great show for you guys because Joseph spent 30 years in the film industry. He's still in the film industry. He became a Christian while in the film industry. But before he became a Christian, he saw some pretty funky stuff. He went to a seance with Hollywood elites He saw some pretty funky stuff, and he comes on the show today to share some of these stories. And in the future, we're going to have him back on the show again because I have some connections with other people who are still working in the Hollywood industry who have told me things that they've seen. And we're going to do maybe a roundtable think tank kind of discussion with this group of people. But today we got Joseph Granda on the show. Let's get to it right now. All right, today we got Joseph on the show. Joseph, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? It's good to good to finally see you. Other than that uh, black and white photo of you on your uh, <laughs> on your on your podcast, there. Yeah, you know, man. Listen, um, we've been trying to do this for quite some time, and I've had to keep canceling on you. And I'm just so happy and thrilled that uh, you didn't cancel on me and say, you know what, dude, get lost. You know, because <laughs> like. When so my wife, I tell people, you know, my wife, she gets my email. She handles a lot of the scheduling and stuff. And when she got your email, she told me right away, she's like, "You need to talk to this guy like yesterday." And cool. so I was just like, "Cool." And then things were happening, COVID and everything. It just was killing me. But I'm really glad you're here, man, because you are a very unique person. So over the years, I today I just put out episode 418, and wow. uh, so I mean, I've been doing it for a while, uh, but. In that time frame, I at times, you know, kind of veer off into more conspiratorial talk on certain topics. And one thing that over the years I've really kind of put my my stamp on is that I personally believe, I'm not telling anybody else what to believe, but I personally believe that the the higher you go in uh, politics, religion, Hollywood, and now even the sports industry, the closer mm-hmm. they get and the more they're intertwined uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, often with uh, a satanic culture. And, um, right. I've said that over the years and, you know, I get lots of people who agree with me on it, but there are over the years, I do get emails from people when I say things like that, that are just like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're just a dumb truck driver. You have, you're <laughs> clueless. And just to let you, Hey, Larry, the guy who emailed me that, let me just tell you something, buddy. I'm not a dumb truck driver anymore. I'm just a dumb podcaster. So, <laughs> but, uh, the great thing about having you on man is that you have, uh, I think you said it was like 30 years of experience in Hollywood. I mean, you, you have a very large resume and before we get into your experiences and then conversation about the culture in Hollywood and just see where this conversation goes. Uh, I want you to kind of open up and just let people know who you are, share your resume. And so they get a firm understanding yeah. as to who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, people who, uh, usually push back on when you, when you talk about the, uh, the underbelly of Hollywood are usually the ones who are most involved in it. Um, you know, they go, well, that's not happening here, you know, as they're, they're you know, they're sacrificing like somebody's cat or whatever. Um, yeah. So I've been in the, in the, uh, I hesitate calling it an entertainment business because so much of it is just, I mean, if you just scroll through some of the movies on Netflix, it's all murder and rape and stolen children. So I don't know how much entertainment is, that is in, is in that. But with that said, I think because we live in America, people are free to um, express their art in any way they like. Um, so yeah, so I started out, um, in New York city 
as a young man in my twenties, um, I, I studied with a very famous acting teacher and I went on to do off Broadway and Broadway. I've, 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 uh, I've been in theater opposite Al Pacino and, uh, Christopher Walken and, and, uh, and from then I went on and I got a break in movies. I started a movie in the early nineties called amongst friends. That was a big hit. And that sort of was my, 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 my pool into, into the Hollywood industry. And I got an agent and a lawyer and, and all that stuff. And, and then realized that, you know, the sort of to learn the business, the business aspect of it. And, um, you know, as I grew older and continued t- to work pretty steadily, I, I mean, I have since been, a uh, a screenwriter. I've sold screenplays. I've had them made into movies. I've written and directed films. Um, I have a, a, a reality show that I'm going to host. Um, I can't really talk about it yet coming up. Um, and um, I've got a new film that I'm, I'm putting together, which is um, called the super awesome, which is um, about a, um, a Christian farmer and his botanist wife, botanist wife who have exhausted their efforts with medical pharmaceuticals. And when they turn to this washed up scientist and his theories on cannabis, they have their faith called into question. And it's based loosely on a real story about the healing powers of CBD um, for kids with extreme epilepsy. Um, so um, if anybody's interested, they can look at that at uh, superawesomefilm.com. Um, that's what I'm, I'm currently working on right now. Um, I just had a nice family film that came out last year, The Healing Garden. It's a movie that you can watch with uh, your grandparents and grandkids or kids. It's the edgiest thing in it is a fart joke. And if you if you can't handle a fart joke, then um, I'm going to pray for you. Um, so, uh, so actually, you know, this first story that I that I mentioned to you when I emailed you um, was was in the early fall of 1996, and I had just moved to LA. I had just finished um, a TV show, and I got a call from my agent. Um, from a director named PJ Pesci, who was doing a Western in New Mexico and saw me in something and said, hey, I'd really like to have this guy for this part. And so, you know, my agent said, do you want to do it? And I thought, well, dressing up like a cowboy and shooting guns for three weeks, I'm, I'm all for that, especially getting paid for it. Um, so uh, I, I was, I had a roommate, uh, a guy named Steve and, um, they were going to send me an airplane ticket to fly me out. And so instead I said, would you tell them to just give me the cash and I'll drive out. And so what I did was I took the cash and then um, I had my buddy. I said, listen, if you drive out there with me, I'll get you work as an extra. Cause in the screen actor guilds back then they were paying extras a hundred bucks a day, which it's probably more now. And so mind you, this is all pre cell phone. This is all pre GPS. So we had to get a map and figure out how we're going to get from Los Angeles to New Mexico. And um, so I think we, we charted it out best we could. Uh, I remember, I remember we took off, we were taking our time. I remember the car, the, it was an old Ford Bronco um, sort of OJ style. And um, I remember the, the first weird thing that happened was um, we got a flat tire and we didn't have a spare. And so we had to walk to the town. Where were we? Oh, I, I don't know. But it was 
it was a really weird experience. First, we had to take the tire off. We had to roll it up to this gas station to to fix it. And the guy didn't speak a language that I had any idea what he was talking. Um, and so we fixed the car and we take off. But it, it took quite a while. So by now it's sunset and we're driving to uh, to New Mexico. And the thing about not having GPS or cell phones is you really have to pay attention where you're driving. And you got to look at that map and, and watch the road markings as they pass you. So I was in the passenger seat and Steve, Steve was driving and um, we realized it, and it was midnight at this point, And we realized that we have no idea where the hell we are uh, and we're lost. So we pull over we pull out this map that's got all kinds of graffiti on it by this point. And we finally figure out that um, if we go up a couple miles and then go north a couple miles, it'll put us back on the road. That'll take us right in to um, the Santa Fe area, the location for this, this Western uh, movie. It was called the desperate trail with uh, Sam Elliott. Um, so we finally find this marker and we make the left to go up it. Now this is a, a completely, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's no signs. There's no lights leading the way. So it's only, it's a, it's two lane kind of dirt road um, that we are, that we're traveling on. And so we're driving, no big deal. We're headed, we, we're feel confident we're heading in the, in the right way. And as we're driving, um, we notice a light off in the distance uh, on my side, on the passenger side of of the car. And don't think much of it. I don't know. We keep driving and yakking uh, away. But as we're moving, um, if you were to get like a drone view of the car and this light, it's it's as we're moving forward, it's moving towards us as if it was going to intersect with us. And, and it, and it, and it didn't move at a fast pace, but it moved at a steady pace. And so it got so close that the closer it got, the slower that Steve drove, because it was so bright that we couldn't see in front of us. Now, mind you, we're both thinking completely um, in real life and we're thinking logic and reason. So, my first thought is we're on someone's private property and this is, this is their helicopter, you know? And so the light is so bright that I have to shield myself as I, you know, it's one of these kind. you got to roll the window down. I mean, it wasn't even electric, oh, you cool. know, that's how 1998 this, uh, this, this experience was. <laughs> so I roll the window down. Cause I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to say, Hey, we're lost. Um, we don't need any, we don't want any problems. I don't know. Uh, it's also my first time in New Mexico. So I roll the window down and here's the problem it, it is I'm expecting to hear, you know, helicopter. There's no helicopter sound, but this is how I've always described it is that back then we had pagers so people could get a hold of you. And yeah. the pager had a, a a setting that would vibrate. So it would just vibrate, you know? So if you took a vibrating pager and put it in an aluminum bowl, 
that's the sound this thing was making. Okay. And so I look over at Steve and I go, dude, I don't know what that is, but that is not a helicopter. And so I roll my window back up because it was kind of windy. I roll my window up now. And now what I'm about to tell you is the only reason I have ever told this story. Um, Otherwise it would just be a weird incident. And this is what set it off on a path that I would have never imagined. So I roll my window up. I look over at Steve and I say, listen, I don't know what that is, but we got to get the hell out of here. And so at the very moment that he takes his foot off the brake and slams on the gas at the moment that the car jumps forward, the light disappears and the whole passenger side window burst. It shatters into little pieces in my face. Wow. Like a, like a really intense force. And, and Steve goes, Oh man, my window. And I go, and I'm still thinking logically. So I go, your window, someone just shot a shotgun at us. Am I bleeding? And so we're still driving and I'm looking around and there's glass everywhere. And we're really, really freaked out because we're thinking logically someone, something, I don't know, uh, a shotgun burst through the window. You know, we're not out there thinking close encounters of the third kind. Um, So we drive up to the road. We finally get to the road that we're looking for. And it's a much more... um, highway you know there's some lights and so we 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 come upon a gas station and we pull right in there now there's a state trooper there new mexico state trooper we don't even see this guy but we get out of the car and he sees us and he realizes here's these two young men there's something wrong something wrong with these two young men because we were really freaked out we were like i was still we're still looking to see if i had pellets and if i was if my adrenaline had taken over and I couldn't feel it. And so from nowhere, this state trooper comes over and he says, are you boys? Okay. And we were like, I took the road and and then this thing, and then it's all shot at my window. And then somebody shooting a shotgun at us. And he goes, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. Let me see. And so he, he first, he opens, we open the car door and he looks inside with his flashlight. And he says, listen, if, if, because it didn't go through the other window, if you were shot at the, uh, with a shotgun, there would there would be pellets in here. And if it was just a single bullet, it it would have gone through it and probably through the other side. And so he closes the door and the outside of the window, all the metal is bent in. What? All the metal. That's right. All the all the metal where you know where the little go- the little trim yeah. And part of that, it's all bent in. And so it's part of the door. And he's looking at it with, cause we couldn't see it. He's showing us with his flashlight. It's all bent in. And uh, he goes, okay, now slow down and tell me exactly what happened. And so I tell him what I've just told you. And he says, show me where you were driving on the map. So we show him where we're driving on the map. And he looks at the map. And he looks back at us and he says, yep, those things happen out here. We're like, what? Like this happens out here? Now, here's something really interesting that I didn't think of until later. He goes, give me your names and where are you going? 
I said, well, here's my name's Joseph Granda. This is Steve Polavecchio. And uh, I'm, I, we're actors. We're going to work on the set of The Desperate Trail in New Mexico. Takes our name down. Um, um, takes the, 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 because we don't have cell phones. He takes the set, the name of the producer, you know, and where we're going and whatnot. And he just says, be careful. And we're, and then he gave, he gave us a bag from his car to put over the window and, okay. and, and some tape. Um, and so we did that. We put tape over it and just, it was a really, really unnerving experience. And so, so we drive into New Mexico. I go and I get fitted for, you know, cowboy clothes from the 1800s. And I meet, I meet the director and, you know, I, I start shooting the first day was like my first day learning how to ride a horse, which was interesting. Um, and so the next day I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair on the set. And and when you're an actor, there's a lot of sitting around and waiting a tremendous amount of, which is why lots of actors get in trouble because idle hands. Um, so I'm sitting there and um, the camera operator was a local guy and he was a local uh, native American Indian. And I, I, I can't remember his name, but I, I, I do know that it was like, it was like, um, something feather strong, but he had like a genuine feather something in his name. That was his name. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not making light of it. Um, so I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the chair and I see these two guys um, in suits and one of them had a, a tie on and the other one did it. It was, it was still pretty hot. Um, it was late August. And so they're talking to, to, to chief feather strong and, he points right over at me and I'm like, well, I don't know. He, he must be mistaken on why he's pointing at me. So these two guys come over and one of them's gotten, again, it's pre cell phone. So he's got like one of those, like you, like you would have a detect, a detective. Yeah. Ha- pad. Like a little small pad that flips up. Yeah. So he's the guy in the, in, he was the guy in the tie and he didn't talk. So the first guy come and they ask me, is your name Joseph Granda? And I say, yeah, because I got nothing to hide. And he said, were you on highway such and such at about 1215 on August such and such? And did you have an incident? I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What? I've had an incident. And I said, yeah, somebody broke my window. He goes, well, can can you take us through exactly what happened? And so again, I tell him the exact story that I've just told all of you all the way down to now. I realize that this highway, that this, this, this highway patrolman has contacted whoever these guys are. Now I wasn't smart enough to say, can you guys show me some ID? Can you, who are you? I was just like, I just started talking, you know, I, and I'm also, I, I was, I don't know. I was 28. I don't know. I I don't know what the math is, but I was like, you know, I was dressed like a cowboy, you know, and these guys come over and, <laughs> and um, so I tell them everything that I've just told you. And the one guy takes notes and, um, and then he asked me, uh, did you, how did he phrase it? Did you sustain any injuries? Which is like weird to me as opposed to like, did you get hurt? 
Like, did you sustain any injuries? And I said, no. Uh, I mean, maybe some scratches because the, the, the window shattered into like little tiny beads almost. I mean, the force was that great. And uh, he says, okay, well, uh, thank you for your time. And they just turned and walked away. They just completely turned and walked away. And I was so sort of beside myself with like, I did, it wasn't sure what had just happened. Um, so these guys go and then, and then, and then this, this, this guy who was a camera operator, chief, uh, chief Featherstrong, he comes over and he goes, he goes, Hey brother, what was that all about? And so again, I tell him the story to a T that I just told you. And he says, oh, yeah, those things happen out here because they come for the quartz and the crystal in the mountains. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay. But I'm also thinking it's maybe some government thing that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was some advanced drone that they're now using all over the world. But so I tell him the story and he says, well, you should go and talk to my friend who runs the book and newsstand in town and tell him because he charts and knows all about all the ufo experience so now this is the first time somebody has used the, the acronym ufo to me because I, I i'm thinking completely logical and with reason i'm like ufo he's like oh yeah they fly around here all the time that's what he said because they come for the quartz and and the crystal in the in the mountains i don't know anything about quartz and crystals you know other than a crazy actress i dated once who would wear it around her neck all the time and rub it um <laughs> so so uh he gives me the name of this guy and uh, a couple days go by and I have a day off and I'm like I'm a little curious now, now I'm curious. So I go into town to this place and I I don't remember the guy's name we'll just call him Bob. And I say, "Hi, uh are are you Bob? My name is Joseph." And he drops what he's doing and he goes, "Oh, uh, uh, Chief Featherstrong sent you, right? I said, yeah. He goes, well, tell me, tell me what happened. So again, I tell him the exact story that I have just told all of you. You gotta be getting tired at this point telling the all, story. <laughs> all, all the way up to this point. Yeah. So, you know, so I tell him the story and then he goes, sit down, sit down, sit down. So I sit down at his desk and he says, uh, can I ask you some questions? And I say, sure, of course, you know, ask me some questions. And he says, um, how long did the incident take? And so now I, now I hear somebody say UFO and incident. So now, I, now I, I've been told I've had an incident, not an experience, which means that there was intention to it. I said, I said, I don't know. The whole thing was maybe 20 seconds from the time I rolled the window down to I rolled it back up and then it shattered in my face. And he says, oh, it just felt like 20 seconds. But oh the both gosh. of you- could have been gone for hours i said excuse me he's like oh yeah you could have been gone for hours i'm like no it was like 20 seconds he's like oh no 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 they can take you and port you right back into the same place and not know anything about it i said oh well well, okay all right now i think that he's a little nuts he goes do you mind if i ask you some more questions i said sure he said um did you sleep okay the next that night? I go, I didn't sleep much at all because I was kind of jacked up. I go, I will tell you this though. My friend left. He took off. He didn't want to stay. He was really freaked out. 
he left. They were, they asked me too. And where's, where's your friend, Steve Polavecchio that was with you. I said, he left, man. <laughs> he didn't want to stay. Um, he was just weirded out. So this guy at the bookstore, Bob, he, uh, he says, uh, well, do you mind if I ask you uh, some more questions? I'm like, you know, just fire away, Bob. It's my day off. I got to play cowboy tomorrow. <laughs> and so he, he says, um, do you have any, um, have your eyes felt extremely dry? I said, well, I am in the desert, so I don't know what that, how to answer that. And he goes, have you had, do, do you have any soreness in your throat or pain in your nasal cavity or any bleeding from your ears? I was like, uh, uh, no, Bob, as a matter of fact, I, I don't have any bleeding from my ears or my nose and my sore, my throat is not sore. And then he says to me, he takes this long pause and he says, um, forgive me for asking this, but do you have any pain in your rectum? And I was, I was like, what? Why would you ask me that? And he said, well, when they take you, I was like, first off, who are they? He goes, aliens are out here all the time. And when they take you, especially males, they will probe into your anus and into your prostate and remove uh, uh, samples so that they can breed. I was like, okay, hold it right there so that they can grow you. He was going into this whole thing. Like they grow you on another planet and then they, they clone you and put you back. And I mean, for all I know, I'm not me. I'm that clone that they made right now, um, which I'm okay with. What a privilege and honor it is to meet my first clone. <laughs> right. Right. So, so um, I said, uh, no, Bob, there's no pain in my rectum for any reason. And so he goes on to sort of sort of tell me, um, you know, about like why they go into the ear and why they go up into the nostril to get tissue samples. And he really got into it to the point where he was so specific and 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 so uh, convicted in what he was asking me and telling me to the point that um that I started that it was real. I mean, he was t he was telling me uh, what was the truth to him, uh, so much so that it, it really just it 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 troubled me. And um, I said, "Listen, I I I gotta go." <laughs> and I bought like the paper and a and a water or something, and I left. But so I'm driving back in my rental car to my hotel room, and as I'm driving, I start I start. Uh, ruminating on everything that's happened to me and what Bob has just said. And I started thinking to myself, do I have any pain in my rectum? <laughs> uh, do I have pain in my butt? Is, is, do I have pain? And then I start, you know, checking my ears. And so, um, and people were like, who were those guys in the suits? And, and, and so, I mean, I through the whole time I was there, I told the story and then I started making light of it. And, I tell it every now and then at, 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 um, at dinner parties and, and whatnot. Um, but in, in hindsight now, so many years later, I really think that it had to be that we uh, drove through an area that is not normally traveled at 12, 15 in the morning and that there was some sort of military test going on and they were like, oh, look, there's a truck. Let's see what we can do to it. I mean, that's the only thing that it could have been because there's no pain in my rectum. So 
So it wasn't aliens. <laughs> I love that reasoning. It's the only thing it could be because I don't have butt pain. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there's, okay. Let me ask you this. Um, let's, I'm going to work backwards based off of what you just were talking about. Uh, obviously you didn't have the pain, body pain, things like that, that Bob was describing. Um, all these years later, you you've listened to my show clearly, and you you, you have some kind of interest in t- these types of topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts then on the idea of abduction and extraterrestrial, um, as far as how you define things? Because a lot of people define it differently and stuff. And I know, uh, and I don't know if you we're going to get into this at some point, but I know just I know you're not going to have a me problem saying this. Uh, you're a Christian now, and so. Right. There, there's a theological perspective you gotta you gotta consider when entering into this thought process. So, uh, what are your thoughts all these years later as to what people are experiencing when they say, "I was abducted"? I, I remember this, and I had I I just talked to a guy last week that said he he literally pulled a chip out of his chest. Uh, hmm. So it, it's it's things like that. So, um, what are your thoughts? I, I uh, well. Well, first off, yeah, I operate from a Christian worldview. So I have a very specific way of looking at the world that works uh, better for me and brings me greater clarity. Now, with that said, I'm not the moral arbiter of the world or the creator. That job has been taken and taken fantastically. So I don't, I don't, I can't totally put aside that there is another universe billions of miles away in the expansion of the universe where there's more life. Um, I like to think that, that, that um, the exact world is taking place someplace else where the fall of Adam and Eve didn't happen. Oh, that'd be amazing. You know? And so it's unfolding that way. Um, but I, I, I feel like, well, here's my theory on what aliens are. Because I think I've solved it. Solved it. I believe that if there are aliens or things that are visiting us today, I believe that it is this race in the future traveling back in time and observing the mistakes of this time. And just like any uh, fallen human would do, they're doing experiments on the human race. Now, I don't know if. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of evolution outside of, outside of species. Um, because I, I mean, you'd have to show me how a sponge becomes an orca. Um, but, uh, I, I know that, you know, recently, if you listen to people like Rogan and stuff and, and out there, there's, there's been this, this thing, which is a real thing called the, uh, a framing psychosis and, and they called it a mass framing psychosis, but it's really just framing psychosis. And I think that if you can get enough people to believe certain things and just a couple of them to see certain things, I think, I think some of this comes involved in, in Sasquatch also, which I'm a fan of and, and have some pursuits. Um, I think that, um, the subconscious is an incredibly powerful thing that can, um, aside from any psilocybin trip or whatever, it c- can manifest things to you. I also think that, that, um, we live, uh, in a very intense, um, in the midst of a spiritual warfare between, um, good and evil. And I think that any time that, 
you know, uh, for lack of better words, they call them demons. I know they always have horns and are scary, but I always tell people, yeah. if you want to see the greatest lineup of demons, just watch the Academy Awards because <laughs> uh, I, I think demons are probably very lovely and beautiful. But I think if if you're taking that perspective of separating people from God, then you're going to have an evil force. And what they're going to do is create things that will people will believe and pull them farther away uh, from the from the truth. So, um, and, and, you, you know, and we'll get into it if you want, I've had the experience of, of, of being in a room with satanic forces that knew things about me, uh, that I'd never told anybody. Yeah. Um, we're going to get in. Like, is that the seance or is that something completely different? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it was a seance. Okay. It was like, it was the, it was, it was the, uh, weirdest experience I've ever had. And, and the only thing that, um, that that shook the core of me of like of being in the presence of something really 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 bad wow uh we're definitely going to get into that and uh i think uh you don't have to go into a great detail if you don't want to and maybe there isn't great detail but uh after you tell that and talk about that because i know that mm-hmm. was B- that was bc before christ uh maybe i'd be interested to hear what the, what was it about I, your life or anything like wh- where were you in life when you decided to follow Christ uh, being in the Hollywood right. industry? Yeah, no, I mean, I can, I can wrap this all up right there and tell you how I got there by, by going through this story with you. Well, before we move into that story, I I'm, I'm not done with your UFO here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guys who visited you, uh, mm-hmm. good cop, bad cop. Do you think that was like some kind of a uh, version of, of a more modern men in black type scenario? Yeah, I mean that's the way I would describe it. I mean, it wasn't that sort of. Uh, uh, the one guy had sunglasses on; they weren't Ray Bans, um, and the other guy had glasses on, and they were both, I would say, mid forties, early forties. They were very polite. They were very professional. I assumed that if I had asked, they would have shown me some kind of. Now I have talked to people since, and some people think that it was, um, um, Air Force and or Navy intelligence. Um, um, it it could have been guys from DARPA. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wish in hindsight, I had asked for some identification or, um, they didn't seem threatening. They were very like, Hey, how are you? Are you, you know, we heard you had an incident and I was like, I thought it was an experience, but okay. An incident, (laughs) you know, um, so, and I have asked around, I have some, I have, my brother's been in the military his whole life. He's like, yeah, that's probably, it was probably some research and development thing that happened to you. And my brother's would, my brother says, listen, there's, there's things that, that they're, they've got that they're not going to let us know about them until they have to let us know about them. You know I mean? Do you really think they're shooting those shooting um, satellites up in space every three weeks? Right. I, I would say uh, there, the, the, the technology we have or the military has is far superior than the fearful bad nuke that they keep throwing in your face. Uh, right. That's why I don't fear the nuclear war concept because I do believe that our technology is so far superior than what uh, the 19... 19- I know nuclear bombs have progressed and gotten bigger, but the, the idea of, of the 1940s, the, the, the bomb dropping and, oh my God, right. for a hundred years, we're going to fear this now. I don't think that's the case because I think we do have technology that's so far superior than the nuclear technology that that's ancient and they just use that to fear it get you scared and, pu- and push you in a direction they want you to be in mentally on how you yeah. the world 
Well, I mean, look, when I was in kindergarten, we used to have drills where they would have us go underneath the desk in case of a nuclear bomb. Yeah, same. You know, and now the government just puts puts mask on kindergartens, yeah. you know, so it's the same fear factor. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a nuclear bomb or a cotton mask. Whoever thought that government could take over people <laughs> by cotton and chemicals, how fast they would just give it up. You know, no yeah. offense, but I think those things should be of personal choice. No, I, I hey, I, I get it. I hear you. Um, I, I just put out um, a statement the other day and I, I'm going to butcher it because I, I was sometimes I get in these frames of minds where these, these this like concept and this idea comes to me and I just put it out there before I lose it kind of thing. And uh, they, like I, I basically said, uh, the tyrannical environment that you find yourself in today um, in, the, in the 1940s uh, had to be hidden. But today they just tell you what they're doing because they know you're too stupid to recognize the monster you're staring right into their eyes at. Like, like, right. like it, it's like we can tell you exactly what we're going to do. We can do it right in front of your face because you're just too dumb to do anything about it. And 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 back right. in the in the 1940s and stuff, they had to hide it because they knew that if it was recognized, it would be chopped off right there. I mean, that's why right. that's why Hitler had um, he had plans to take over Pol Poland um, well in advance of the treaty that he supposedly had with Poland. Where we're like, well, we're not going to invade you and stuff. They were already planning the invasion of Poland, but they couldn't say anything publicly because they knew it'd be chopped off right there. That's why right. the, the world there was so many people in the world that thought Hitler was a good guy. They had no idea what was going on because they had to hide it. Now we have that we. We, now he's Canadian. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> stop right there. Okay, all right, cancel culture. Just stop right there. We're gonna move on to some scary, <laughs> scary stories now. But <laughs> but, but here, one point about Hitler. Remember yeah. this: Hitler was both a vegetarian and an artist. Amazing. That's what he started out as a painter. I'll tell you one thing: uh, since COVID. I've been vegetarian and that makes me sad because I, 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 I like, I don't, it doesn't, it still tastes good to me, but I just don't, I like good. I'm like, I don't want it. But when I see vegetables and fruits, I'm like, oh yeah, give me that. Before we connected on this, on this recording, I ran out real quick and got a veggie quesadilla. What is wrong mm -hmm. with me? I'm the meat guy and I'm about to move to Tennessee where there's amazing barbecue. And I'm like, can I have some fruit and veggies? Please? Oh, it'll change. You're just visiting that world, my friend. <laughs> I, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited to get down there. <laughs> but, um, all right, listen. So, uh, let's, let's bring it back because I, I, I got to tell you this. And I think you'd be a good guest for this show whenever I pull it off. I think I'm going to start my own just like, culture show where i just sit mm -hmm. down with people i want to talk to and just have open honest interesting conversation because uh there's so many times that i just want to talk to somebody about stuff that's off topic of what my show is that i just right. feel like i'm almost feeling like i'm boxed in a little bit so i think i'm going to start another show just plugging that out there to you and everybody else uh, yeah because god knows you have plenty of time there uh Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I, I my wife keeps saying the same thing she's like you keep stacking stuff on top of you i'm just like i, I I don't know how else to do it. I get well, maybe we co-host it. Amazing, amazing. I would actually like a co-host because, uh, in that sense, because I think it would be helpful for conversational sake. Um, with with this show, I I can't tell you how many people reached out to me over the years, in, like introducing themselves in an email saying, "I want to co-host a show with you." I'm like, "Who are you again? Like, <laughs> why would I ever do that?" So yeah, you, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it with the right person, it can be very captivating. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to have people. To two hosts that have um, a depth of knowledge in whatever they're talking about with um, a different approach. And I usually pl play um, the bad cop. If you look at my acting resume, I'm always just this, I'm always killing somebody. Um, so, 
Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not, it's definitely a conversation to be had. Uh, and there's a lot of things you and I will be talking about uh, moving forward. Um, so let's make a transition here. I just want to make one more statement about this experience. Uh, and that is when you were- It was telling- an incident, Tony. Uh, yes, the incident. Uh, <laughs> when, you were, when you were talking about uh, this whole thing and how it happened, uh, my, my first thought was, did this thing like break this? Cause you said it disappeared right away. Did it break the sound barrier, go so fast, speed of light that it, that, that, that was the, the outcome. But then when you described the damage to the car, I was like, that seems very intentional. And then that's when I started thinking, was this some kind of like weapon of some sort? So, uh, those are just yeah, my and thoughts. My, it- and my hearing was bad for the next two days. L- listen, uh, uh, let me just put the, uh, this, for lack of better description, the cherry on the top of this, uh, the actor that I was with that day uh, killed himself five years later. Wow. Do you know why? Uh, I mean, he had some problems. I mean, he had drug and alcohol problems, and that's that's how he did it. But it seemed to be purposeful. I mean, if that's I don't think that has anything to do with the story. I don't know, unless he had pain in his rectum. Um, <laughs> well, did you? Uh, <laughs> I say that because if you knew him, he would laugh at that. Okay. So well, I think I-, I honor people by continuing to have a sense of humor in their honor. I totally understand. I totally agree. I almost, I almost said, well, did you ask him? But I was like, I better not say that. But I just said, <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> we were, you know what else is weird? We were never friends after that. Really? Yeah. We were roommates at the time. He moved out and it, it was, he left. I don't know. Maybe he was taken. I don't know. But, um, but it it was it was a moment that only in hindsight can I think that that was a moment where uh, my friendship with him changed. Wow. Yeah. Very weird. It is very so. weird. All right. So let's move on to this next experience because it's like an evolution of your life uh, spiritually. Uh, I'm assuming uh, this had a lot mm-hmm. to do with it. So uh, you're, you're in Hollywood. If people just... Like we t- said in the beginning stuff, like, I mean, you're entrenched in Hollywood. I mean, we, the other day you and, yeah. I, you and I were talking on the phone and you had interactions. You were supposed to, I'm not going to name drop because you don't want to name drop, but like, t- think the the A-list top of the heap, you, sure. you were socializing with those people. So you were entrenched in this this culture. And I really want people to focus on that as you tell the story, that this is something that uh, wasn't like uh, y- you were, in, I mean, maybe you were in some kind of dark dungeon basement because that's all you could afford. But the, the fact is you you were very much entrenched in the Hollywood culture, the environment with the, we would call, what I would call the elites of Hollywood. And so right. the story that you're going to go into uh, isn't coming from somebody who's just, uh, oh, I was an extra in a movie once. That's not, that's not you. No. I mean, you know, that's just, here's the thing to know is that, listen, if you are a lawyer, um, you work with all other lawyers and you end up dating other lawyers. And, and so if you're an actor in Hollywood, you end up dating actresses or, or writers or so so it's not weird um to run into famous people and the best way uh when you're not a super famous person is to just treat them like normal people which is what they they really want and so i will tell you this one i will say one thing um i met most of the elite people in hollywood um in alcoholics anonymous so i got sober 27 years ago um um because I was the guy you always wanted to have at your party. You just weren't sure if you wanted me in the house. Understood. Um, with the chandelier and all that. Like, why is that guy swinging in his underwear? <laughs> um, so, you know, good time, Charlie. So um, my very first experience 
um, with Elite Hollywood was was at my very first AA meeting. When I walked into this place in Hollywood, it's still there. It's called the Log Cabin. And all they do is they hold AA and AASA and all those other AA meetings. Um, I've since, since left that program many years ago because that program is there to get you sober, to make you a normal with the world and go out and have a normal, productive life. Um, so I walk into this AA meeting and there's a guy mopping the floor and, and I'm, I'm a very punctual person. So I'm the, I'm the, I'm early. And I look at him and it's Sir Anthony Hopkins and he's mopping the floor. Now I say that because he's, he has broken his sobriety uh, many times in public. Uh, He's almost 40 years sober. So I look at, I look at him completely baffled and I go, what are you doing? (laughs) And he goes, I'm mopping the floor. It keeps me sober. It's my, and I'm, I think I'm 22, 23 at the time. And and he says, it keeps me, uh, it's my commitment. It keeps me sober. And I said, oh, this is my first meeting, you know, with probably alcohol still in my breath. And he says, oh, well, uh, welcome and have some coffee. And I said, oh, I don't drink coffee. And he goes, oh, oh well, you will. And sure enough, <laughs> I've been drinking coffee ever since. Um, so I go and I sit down and, and this is all going to lead to, to, to this sort of seance thing that I was brought to. I go and I sit down and, and uh, Jonesy, the guitar player from the Sex Pistols, walks in and he sits right next to me. And I, I recognize him immediately. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, uh, um, he says, uh, you look like shit, man. <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah, it's my first meeting. And he goes, oh, I know exactly what you're thinking. And I said, oh, what's that? He says, you're thinking, how did I end up here with all these losers? And that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, wow. like, what am I here? So I continued to go to AA. And the more I went, you know, living and working in Hollywood, um, I got invited to um, the ultimate ultra anonymous meetings where you had to really be invited because when you, you went in there, you would see the most famous people on the planet at the time trying to get their life together, trying to get sober. And, you know, a lot of them in public have, have talked about it. I'm not going to, I'm going to honor that anonymous bit to it, but um, really sort of, uh, well, I'll tell you one of them was all the time was Robert Downey because he talks about it. I mean, I would sit next to him and and talk to him. And so, so I I started meeting, it's weird that I met sort of the uh, most elite people of Hollywood in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and good for them. Um, Unbeknownst to them, whether they liked it, knew it or not, they were in a Judeo Christian program. Um, so in one of these meetings, I meet an actress um, who um, she's still alive and still works. So I'm not going to mention her name, but she's a, uh, she's an Oscar winner. And so uh, we uh, had a relationship together, boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. And, she was very much on this spiritual search as was I for a, a long portion of my life. I was a very devout Buddhist. I've lived um, in Buddhist temples. I've spent 10 days in complete silence, um, hours of meditation, uh, vegetarian food, um, all these things. And so I, what I was, was I was a seeker and um, because I had no, no Christ centered um, knowledge or a, 
or wanting to seek that when you're seeking anything as the spiritual but not religious forces in this world it oftentimes gets pulled you um pulled you to the into the darkness you know i mean i listen to your podcast all the time and i hear people talk and i go oh those are demons oh yeah those are demons you know uh, demonic forces are not always uh these things flying around in dark they're like very subtle sort of egging you on into certain directions yeah. so so um she starts talking to me about uh, um, psychics and channelers and mediums. And so she sends me to this guy that I had seen a couple times and his name is Hans Christian King. And I believe he's still alive. And um, so I went and saw this guy and I'd never met this guy in my life. I sit in the hotel room with him, you know, and this is a, this is mid, this is about the same time. This is like 98, 96, 98. And I pay him, it was like a hundred bucks back then. Uh, and um, he does this channeling. He starts telling me about my 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 family and uh, where I was in a past life and what my future is. And, and he was right on some of them. It was very, very interesting. And again, I think that's demonic evil forces can know uh, what the past is and what the present is, but they don't know your future. And if you get into those conversations with people who they can very rarely tell you specifically what the future is, because from my perspective, um, Yahweh, God is all in the past, all in the present, all in the future, all at once, which is what makes him omnipotent. And so I had that experience and that sort of opened my eyes because it was a, it was a result. And as a type A person, I want results. You know, I want to meditate and then come out of it as a unicorn or whatever you know and so so she says listen i'm gonna go to i can't think of, i i just remember his first name was brian and he was um a channeler that was going to channel spirits and so she says to me i want you to come to to, to this event with me i said and she was hot so i'd go anywhere with her you know, um, and I'm sober. I'm sober. Like, I think I was sober about 18 months. And um, she says, so what you have to do is write a note to somebody who is in. Um, how did she put it? Um, who has passed, who has passed over. And write a note to them that you're going to be at this address and that this person, Brian, is going to be there. And that if they have a message for you, that they can bring it through Brian. And I was like, okay. So my father's was my father died in my early twenties, um, oddly enough, of alcoholism. Um, so, um, so I write this note to my old man, and she says, put it someplace in your room where his spirit can see it. I was like, okay. Uh, kind of hoping the old man doesn't show up because he wasn't that much fun, but okay. So I write this note, dear dad, if you have a message for me, um, I'm going to be at this address on this date. And there it is. And so I write it and I set it on top of my TV uh, in my living room and I leave it there for two weeks. And so uh, I go with her to this event. It's at night. And um, I have a healthy skepticism of everything because that lets me investigate further rather than just blowing things off. And so um, she picks me up and it was in the valley. Um, 
So we drive to this very kind of modest house and I'm expecting to have to pay a hundred, two hundred dollars for this thing, but it was um, just a, a suggested donation of whatever you would like. And so when I come into this room of, I want to say 30 people and there's like really super famous elite producers, directors, and we're all sitting in folded chairs in this guy's big uh, room at his house. And um, so he comes out um, in a, in a sweater vest. I remember that he had a sweater vest on and um, was very, um, you know, I, I worked with Keanu Reeves on a movie called the walk in the clouds. One of the, one of the kindest people I've ever met, just a, a fantastic person uh, in my experience with him. And the thing that makes him interesting to watch is that when you meet him, his energy is neither completely masculine nor completely feminine. He has this center of sort of androgyny. And if you take that into note, next time you watch him, you'll realize what I mean. Yeah. And that's what, th that's what this guy had, this Brian guy. He was neither completely masculine nor completely feminine. He had this opaque sort of presence. And so he comes out and he's, he's very kind and he's talking about the spirit world and, and his assistant and, and on and on and on. And then he brings out, um, um, photos of some of his, um, channelings and events. And he says, um, sometimes we're fortunate enough to have the voices speak out loud for us. And so he's handing out photos, special photos that were done of, of, I didn't know this was a real thing of ectoplasm. Have you heard of that? Yes. Right. So that it comes out of the, the, the person's nose or their ear, or sometimes their mouth. And he was telling us that. So what this is, is the spirits take this, this ectoplasm out of the person and they create a voice box with it so that they can speak to us. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, you feel like you're in a Hollywood movie at this point, right? but I, I, I say, okay, great, whatever. And so um, he brings his assistant out. And they lower the lights. It was, it was very theatric, which I'm sure is expected. Or I don't know if, if I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's necessary or, or, or what. But so they lower the lights and there's candles and it, it, it's a little creepy. In hindsight, it's a little creepy because I realize now what they're doing is they're calling upon uh, demonic forces uh, to entertain you. And so here's what's really interesting that these people do including the guy, this Hans Anderson guy that I went and had a, a session, they pray, but you know what they never say? They never say in the name of Christ. They pray to God. I don't know what God they're praying to or whatever, but I realized that in hindsight, a lot of these mystics and channelers, they never evoke the name of Christ because I'm guessing that shuts down their whole system. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, like that's kind of what I talk about on my show. Like if you want to stop a situation, claim the name of Christ. <laughs> Right. So, so he comes out and he says a prayer to God. And if you have messages for the people here and on and on and on. And so the, his assistant sits down and it was this very sort of svelte woman in a black dress. Lights go down. He says his prayer and he starts sort of saying, is there anybody here with a such and such? And, uh, and a woman raises her hand and, and um, he starts 
telling about her grandmother and, oh, did you have a dog? And, and, and my, and, and let me just say this. I've never met this guy in my life. I've never met him in my life. No one was in my house to read my message or anything. And so he goes on and on. He's like channeling these spirits. And then the woman sitting in the chair lays her head back and he goes, oh, we have someone here. I was like, oh, this is going to get good. And then um, she starts breathing heavy. And and this mist comes out of her nose and rises in the, it was, I saw it. Like you actually saw it. Like I saw it. I was right. I was, I was sitting in the back, but I saw it. It was, wow. it was, it was not a Hollywood trick. Uh, if it, you know, in the, if it was, it was phenomenal. And so this mist comes out and it, it didn't move, but a voice was coming from this, this, I guess it was the ectoplasm making this voice box and he talked to it and he channeled um, different people that were in this room and was apparently from their emotional reaction was spot on. Okay. So this is when it got weird for me because as I'm sitting there uh, uh, next to my girlfriend at the time, um, there is a black man sitting in the back of the uh, of the group kind of not with the group, but in a chair by himself in the back. And he keeps, he keeps, you know, you can feel somebody looking at you before you even look at them. Yeah. So that's how I thought. And I looked at him and he looked right at me. And, and then every now and then I would look at him and he would look at me and nod his head. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really weird for me. So this guy, Brian does this channeling thing and, and the, the mist sort of, dissipates and he continues to channel people and talk about, you know, I mean, he gets really specific about their dog Rover is in, is in this place and everything's okay. And I mean, he seemed very specific and by the way, I only donated 10 bucks. Um, I don't know what everybody else gave, but but there were some wealthy people there. Judging by what you saw and heard, I think you got your money's worth. (laughs) I got my money's worth. I never went back, mind you, though. But but here's where it gets weird. All right. So he he says, I'm uh, apparently this is very physically draining. And this guy, Brian, says, I'm very tired. I'm going to have to bring a, a close to the session. Thank you for coming, you know there's some juice and whatever for you to mingle or whatnot. So he ends this, this, this seance is what it was. I mean, it wasn't like table shaking or, or stuff flying in the air. So it ends. And this, this, this guy sitting in the back, tall, handsome black man comes right up to me. I mean, he makes a beeline right for me. And he says, you have a father in spirit, don't you? And I said, I said, yeah. And he said, I'm a channeler also. And your father realized there was too many spirits trying to get into Tony or uh, into Brian for a message. Don't use my name. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry about that. (laughs) Trying to get a message into Brian. And he came to me. That's why he was looking at me. I said, oh, really? I said, well, why don't you tell me? He goes, well, first off, did your father have a very thick um, Latin accent? I've, I've never met this guy in my life. I said, yeah, my father came to this country from Cuba. All right, so now he's got my attention. All right. 
And so he says, because uh, you put the note out, right? I said, I did. And um, well, he wanted me to tell you that he's very proud of the changes that you've made. I got sober. And, uh, uh, but because I was still had this sort of weak moral character, I would go along with whatever was around me. And so this, this, this woman I was dating uh, uh, also smoked. And so I started smoking with her, <laughs> you know, social smoking. That's yeah. Cause I'm just a sucker. Um, and he said that, um, and in my early twenties, I was a smoker. I was like a lucky strike, no filter pack a day smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, he said also that you shouldn't be smoking and running. Cause I was also running three miles a day. Wow. You know, three to five miles a day. And that you should go and 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 get your uh, and get a physical and get your lungs looked at. I was like, and it was, and and then he talked about, oh, and he said, he said, oh, um, the reason is not so much because you're smoking, but your father worked with with lacquers, or I said, my father was a painting contractor. I said, yeah. He goes, and he feels like you may have been damaged. He says, because you would go to work with him, right? Absolutely. So every summer as a kid, uh, my dad took me to work with him and I was uh, around spraying lacquer and paints and all this. He says, he feels that this is an opportunity for you to have your lungs looked at and that they might've been damaged when you were, you were a kid and the smoking doesn't help. And I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. And, and, and my girlfriend is looking at me like, like, is this real? Is he, I'm like, this is, you know, the whole time home was like, that guy was spot on. My father's from Cuba and he was a painter and this, that. So, so a couple of weeks go by um, and I go to a, do- I go see, I go see a doctor. I had screen actors guild uh, insurance and in your twenties, you don't get sick very often. Um, I only used it to go to psychotherapy and, and a few times to get a physical and um so I said to the doctor, I said, Hey, listen, I'd like you to take an x-ray of my lungs and see if that he's like, Oh, you're in your twenties. You're fine. I go, yeah, but you know, it's paid for. I would just like, I'm curious. And so the doctor takes, um, an x-ray of my lungs and he calls me back. He goes, hey, something really interesting. He goes, and he shows me a tiny little black spot on my lung. I go, what's that? He goes, he goes, well, that's a dead space on your lung. Um, do you smoke? I said, yeah, I only smoke when I'm with my girlfriend a couple times. I used to be a heavy smoker. He goes, well, it could have been a damage, something that you inhaled when you were a kid. Did you ever huff gas? I said, no, but guess what? My father would take me to work and he was spraying lacquer and stuff. He says, well, that spot could have been much bigger, but you know, uh, your, your lungs are one of the few organs that can completely rejuvenate and heal themselves. Yeah. He said, so I would, so that's probably what it was. Um, and I definitely don't smoke anymore. And that was actually, that was the last time I smoked. And that was also the end of my relationship. Um, Why? I don't know. Um, well, you know, most relationships like that in Hollywood are just passing through one way or another. Sure. Um, so it just, but I didn't, weird for I, her? I, what's that? Did it just get weird for her because of what she experienced with you? Uh, but no, it got weird for me that, okay. that, cause then she moved into, then she wanted me to come to Scientology, which I did uh, oh. briefly. 
That's going to be another episode right there, man. Yeah. So that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball of wax. Uh, so, you know, hot or not, stay away from Scientology. <laughs> um, or just date them for 90 minutes. Um, so, so I'm not recommending that uh, as a Christian, but, you know, I was a secular person in, in, in Hollywood. And so um, the doctor says to me, what, have you had a cough? I said, no. He said, well, what made you want to have me do this x-ray? And so I tell him the story I just told you. And he's like, you got to be kidding. I said, nope. Two weeks ago, I was at the seance. This white foam came out of this woman's nose and it talked to the room. And then this other guy came over and he told me to, he's like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I go, yeah. So it's really weird. Um, So, 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 I mean, aside from experiences that I've had, so listen, I say this with no pride, but it, uh, there's not a drug on this planet that I've not done. Um, uh, there was a girl from Brazil and some heroin. I did that. Um, there was, you know, I, um, um, LSD I did for a week. Uh, I've gone to parties in San Francisco and uh, I went to a party in San Francisco once, drank, um, took LSD and then I woke up or I came to seated in the second row of a bullfight in Tijuana. Um, what? and I turned to my friend. Yeah. And I said, please don't tell me that I drove and they go, oh, no, Bob drove. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Cool. And then you think, well, I'm never doing that again until you get to Disneyland on the way home and you drop acid again. And, wow. and, and, and so, um, so, and, and listen, on that point, I think there's proper uses for things like psilocybin in healing people today. Um, that's a whole nother topic, but so here's the point. What I was really looking for, aside from getting sober and trying to fill that space in me, that was a constant pain from my childhood that needed to be filled with something. And you can't fill that um, with just the love of someone else because um, feelings as a human and an individual are, are are an ebb and flow you know when my daughter is sad i said listen just let yourself feel sad because i promise you this a buddhist monk told me this you couldn't make yourself feel that way for the rest of the week and he's right so i always say just lean into whatever it is you're feeling and 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 it's going to pass through you so but my point is is that um I was, I was searching for a spiritual path and, um, here, here's how I came to Christ because I think it's important because all of my experiences in the occult or, or UFOs or whatever led me to where I am today. I had a business, uh, one of my partners was stealing from me. And uh, I had to sue him and court and all this. And I sat around with my wife and we were both secular people. We had a one month old baby. And I said, is that really all there is? It's just money. It's just money and stuff. And she said, you know, I don't know. But I said, we really need, we really need to be open to, to, to the truth, to the truth, whatever that is. And so in my neighborhood, I kept seeing these orange stickers that have an outline of a local mountain called the Flatirons. And so I Google, uh, I literally Google what the hell orange sticker, Colorado. And it turns out it's, it's our local church. And so I literally said to my wife, 
let's go see what the crazy Christians in our neighborhood are doing. Okay. Awesome. So, because I'm open, I'm listen. I've been to seances. I've been probed apparently by yeah. UFOs. I've lived with Buddhist monks. I've eaten with the Harry Krishna for a weekend. Um, I've I've read the Torah. I've I was on I was on the search, wanting to be. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a, 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 um, awakened, but in hindsight, what I wanted to be was saved, saved from the world. And so, so we go we go to to this to this church it's called flat irons community church it's the biggest church in colorado and we walk in and there's no crosses there's no um deacons or anything that my past experience would turn me off and we lean in on the door we came late on purpose because we were we were uncomfortable it's interesting that i was uncomfortable coming into that place but i wasn't uncomfortable with my window being blown out or with going into um, a, a, a demonic experience, you know, uh, I wasn't uncomfortable there, but I was uncomfortable walking into the church. And so we walk in and the band, I kid you not, is playing limelight from Rush. And so I look to my wife and I say, listen, this is either going to be really cool or they're going to talk spaceships 20 minutes in and we're out of here. <laughs> And so we go in, we've got our infant and we sit down, we sit in the back, right? Because I don't want to be, I don't want anybody to see me in a Christian church, right? God forbid. And so we sit in the back and this guy in a t-shirt and um, jeans comes up and he's kind of muscular. And I say to my wife, oh, that's probably the stage hand fixing the mic stuff. And let me tell you this, this pastor, his name is Jim Burgeon. He saved my life. Um, He starts going into um he's talking about what is your target in life and what are you using to hit it and if you're not using christ to hit that target you're probably not going to hit it and it really resonated to me and so um i was able to initially hear the message of christ in a way i have never heard it it was for lack of better description it was casual it was um, inviting. It was interesting. It was uh, contemporary. And so for the next nine weeks, we went every week. And as the same time we were going to this church every week, all week long, I was reading everything I could historically, theologically, um, psychologically to disprove what I was being told. Uh, because I didn't want to believe this. I didn't want to know that the answer to my salvation and to the progress of the goodness of my life has always been in front of me, even though I put a tree up every year in December. And so I couldn't do it. I read everything you could think of, Sam, everything from Sam Harris to, 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 to theological studies, to, to the history and to Romans, Roman Josephus who wrote about Christ. And so we're driving back from church one day and I look over to my wife and I said, Hey, uh, I got to tell you, honey, I think we're Christians. And she said, I, I think you're right. Wow. And so, so, uh, about five months later, um, we got baptized in that church and I had gone out of the movie business and I got on my knees after I got baptized that week. And I said to Christ, I will do anything that you want me to do. Listen, I'm a big fan of donuts. 
if you want me to open up donuts for Jesus here in Colorado, I will open up donuts for Jesus. But I'll tell you what happened to me. Everything from that point on started pushing me back into the entertainment industry with a with a new focus and a new purpose. And that is simply to bring good, um, beautiful works that honor my creativity and the creator um, into the world, because there's, there's plenty of the demonic and the, the, and I don't, I'm listen, it's a free country. If you want to make demonic stuff, that's your choice. But if you are out there searching for the darkness, I promise to you that you will find it. But if you are tired of the darkness and whatever that pain is, is that my experience was to leave the darkness and to move towards the light. And in my truth, in the truth, there is only one light. And for me, that's Christ. And, and even from that point, here's the thing that was interesting about becoming a Christian is that my life begot, got so much better by thousandfold, so much better. However, my life got more difficult. And here's why, because I couldn't live my life the way I used to without caring about other people without understanding that there are people out there who want to hurt children. And sometimes they just want to hurt them with cartoons, you know? So my life is more challenging, uh, but better. And then the other great thing that happened to me was I got quarantined and came out a Calvinist. And so uh, what do you mean? Uh, some you're quarantined. What's that? What do you mean you got quarantined? Cause today in today's perspective that people are saying, you mean like you had COVID or what? Wait, we we got quarantine, you know, the quarantine, the COVID when oh, they're okay. like, oh, so, stay home. So this is so, so this is a recent development in your life. Well, no, we, well, here, here's my point is we went to this very, um, contemporary modern church, which I think is a very good place to start. Listen, my friends who inquire about my faith, I say, listen, don't read the Bible. It'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. Read Genesis and read the gospel of John. And if, and see how that works for you, you know, because if you just say, oh, you just need to read the Bible. Well, that's not it. And so while we were quarantined, we couldn't go to church. So I became more curious. You know, Kierkegaard said that the gospels are 10,000 fathoms deep. And so I had a very, um, a very sophomoric understanding at that point of my faith. And I wanted to know more about it. And so as, as we were quarantined, um, I started watching YouTube videos of a, of a, of a, actually of a, of a pastor named Douglas Wilson. And most recently I adapted his novel ride Sally ride into a screenplay that I hope to direct um, next year. Um, so my, the joke is, is that we got quarantined and came out Calvinist because what I found was that there was so much depth in the Christian faith and such a deep um, uh, um, history. And so, so my encouragement to anyone listening is that, um, if you're really interested in, in, in the spirit world, I can confirm for you that it's a real thing. It's all around you. It wants you to be involved in it. It either wants you to be in the darkness or in the light. Um, if you're really interested in the spiritual realm, I would, I would recommend that you listen to Dr. Michael Heiser. You can find him yes. on the internet. He, he'll tell you flat out that there's a spirit, spiritual war going on. Um, and my encouragement to anyone listening is that if you're suffering from alcoholism or drugs or um, bad relationships, 
um, just check it out. It can't hurt you any more than whatever it is that you're doing. Um, because where I'm at today, I think that I've been called to, to share this message, um, in a free country for now, for now, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, I, uh, listen, Joseph, that was for me on a personal level. Okay. Cause I mean, there's a large audience here. Now everybody's Christian. There's people who hear people talk about their faith in Christian in Christ as Christians and they turn it off. They get to stain. But for me personally, hearing what you just shared, um, beautiful comes to mind. It's absolutely beautiful how it came around. Uh, and and I, I, I share sentiment in so many different ways with this where, uh, for me, like I'm very, so I grew up in a Pentecostal church and Mm -hmm. I'm very, um, much a hybrid when it comes to the theological perspectives. And I see, um, I see myself very differently. Uh, but when I, when I came to Christ and I, I talked about this on a member show recently, um, but, and I'll just go briefly over this. Uh, it wasn't responding to an altar call, getting on my knees and asking Jesus to come into my heart. I'm sitting right. at a funeral mm-hmm. because my, my wife's uncle died. I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to get better, but I did not want to do anything with God. Like I just disdained, like actively avoiding God. Yeah. And, I'm sitting in this church. I'm pissed off that I'm even sitting in a church because my friend was getting married that day and I wanted to just go to the wedding and tell her to come meet me there afterwards. I'm mad. And then her uncle, who is a pastor, gets up. He's a Baptist pastor and he starts preaching the gospel and he wasn't supposed to. Like he wasn't part of the service. He just got up and started doing it. And I was mad at him. Like I could feel my blood pressure rising. My face is red. And remember, I said, I was at a point in my life where I'm looking around. I'm a truck driver. I'm looking around at everybody in my life and I'm like, these guys have been in this industry for 30 years. The mm-hmm. truckers are like the modern day sailors, cursing like a trucker, you know? And right. I, I started realizing that I was meaner than all these guys. And I just didn't like that about myself. <laughs> and and I, I wanted to be a, 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 just a nicer person, but I didn't want to do the whole God thing. And I'm sitting in this church, blood pressure rising. I can feel my face getting warm. And in that moment of anger towards the gospel is when the Holy Spirit spoke to mm-hmm. my inner spirit and th- like it wasn't audible, but it was like a spirit voice, it, like, like mm. it, speaking to me. And it just said, you don't need to change to come to me. Just come to me and I'll change mm-hmm. you. And, right. and honestly, in that moment, uh, I, I'm not a Calvinist. I, I do have reformed theological perspectives, right. but I can tell you this in that moment, I was sitting there and looking back, I believe I had a choice in the matter, but I, I can't imagine in that moment ever walking out the out of that church ignoring what just I just experienced. It was an instantaneous transformation in my life where I walked out of that church a completely different person, like instantaneously. I like it's not like that for everybody. I understand that, but I Mm -hmm. I, my language cleared up. Now over time, it's kind of come back a little bit, but uh, my anger, my hate (laughs) towards my hate towards my neighbor, all of it's gone to the point that. By the time I sat down in the car at this funeral with my wife afterwards, she's literally pressing herself up against the door, looking at me saying, are you okay? Because she's mm-hmm. she like, like, she's looking at her husband physically and there was something different about me, like something was gone. And yeah. and, um, and and I told her, I, I said, I'm fine. I just like, I had no idea what was just happening to me. I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And um, I go to my friend's reception that night and my parents are there. 
And then after the reception's over, it's my wife, my mom, my dad. And I, I'm just like, I got to talk to my parents about this. My, my dad's on the board at his church, you know, and, and I'm just right. like, I, I got to tell... I got to tell them what's going on here because I'm coming off a very crazy roller coaster in my life where I almost divorced my wife. Uh, I was crazy. Mm. I was crazy. Yeah. I was in, I was in relationships with people I shouldn't have been in, involved in. And, um, and so like me and my wife are at a point where our marriage is healing without God. It was healing. I'm falling in love with my wife and, but I didn't want God. And my parents were like, he just needs God still. And I, right. I finally told, I, I told him that night what I experienced and I just start sobbing. My wife is crying. My mom's crying. My dad's crying. And like, it, it, it was a complete instant transformation for me. And when I heard you sharing your experience, I, I felt connection there because you didn't you didn't go and, and 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 go up to an altar call or anything like that. You're literally driving home and you look at your wife and you're like, I think we're Christians. And it, it was just like yeah. there was like this 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 transformation in your life. And um, man, I just got preachy. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I get excited about this thing. stuff. Here's another thing to remember. And I think it's great that you're a person of faith in this space that you are in of talking to the occult and witches and all that stuff because. Um, I'm, I'm called to be completely fearless, absurdly happy and constantly in trouble. And when I say that constantly in trouble is because, uh, when I operate in the world and somebody asks me an honest question, I give them an honest answer and then it's up for up to them. And a, a lot of times it rubs them the wrong way, but, um, it's not my, it's not, I'm not responsible for how they feel. But my point is, is that. Just because you come, just because you uh, come to salvation in Christ, doesn't mean that you can't stop searching for the dogman, right? Or, or 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 Sasquatch. Because I tell you what, if Sasquatch is out there, here's something you got to think about: if Sasquatch is out there, Sasquatch was on the ark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So remember that. So Sasquatch, if he's out there, it's it's biblical. So. It's all biblical. It all goes back um, to the stories in the Bible. And listen, if you're, you don't have to, you don't have to change everything until everything changes you. You could just be who you are. So if you're curious about Dog Man, and why not be curious about Jonah and the whale? It wasn't a whale; it was a giant fish. But um, (laughs) you know, there's so much um, magic and um, spirit and and challenges with the devil and stuff. In, in, in the Bible, but again, you know, I, I always say, re- read the Gospel of John and 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 read Genesis and the the creation story. And um, so you you, you know, I used to, I used to think, oh, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, and, and I still have a salty tongue sometimes. But then you read you read um the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he says shit all the time. I mean, the word is scubula, but it means the same thing. You're right. You're right. You know. You know, these weren't passive, wimpy people floating on no, air. No. Listen, listen, the reason that I couldn't be a Buddhist anymore is because when I left f- that following that spiritual path, I felt like a fourth century Roman eunuch. Uh, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't stand my ground. I couldn't, nothing irks me more than when Hollywood creates the image of Christ as this airy, fairy, floating, love thy, love everybody, peaceful. Jesus was a warrior. Listen, that part of the Bible, when when Jesus makes a whip in this in the uh, in the in the grounds of the synagogue and whips people, 
He was there all afternoon whipping people. That area was 30 acres. Jeez. That's what people do. That was 30 acres that he roams around yelling at people get, saying, get your stuff out of my, it's fascinating stories. Wow. If you also look into the history, people, you know, you, it gets depicted uh, in the Hollywood movies. Like he walks in this room and he's really kind of upset. He was a revolutionary. Yes. He walked in and, and he said, no, you're wrong. The same way we can call out our politicians and say, you are vipers. I don't trust you. It's it's what he did. And that's why I am, because I want to be a rebellious. I don't want to be um, in with the in crowd. Yeah. You know? That's, um, I mean, that's that's how I feel, too. And and you just put words to what inner Tony feels. I, I always say that, that Jesus wasn't a hippie picking lilies with his friends. Uh, I, I got this. It, it's actually a, a verse from a, a, a Christian hip hop artist, uh, The Truth. He says, uh, Christian, or, uh, Jesus wasn't a, a hippie picking lilies with his friends. Uh, he was a man's man. And that's why men followed him. And it, it, it's right. It, it, you got to think like culturally, and this is where Heiser really focuses on things. Culturally, put yourself in the culture of that day. There's no right. man that's going to follow a pansy. It's not happening. Right. He was a revolutionary and he was a man's man. He was he was the man. And that's why he, he had grown men drop their families, everything that they were attached to and follow him because there he was he was that revolutionary. And so the, this modern depiction of Jesus being uh, this 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 weak person, it, I, I, I disdain. Well, he was a lawbreaker back then. I mean, listen, the reason that he was called in to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, um, it, it wasn't because he healed the blind man. Because if you read in the gospel, what he does is he spits on mud, on dirt, and makes mud and wipes it on the guy's eyes. Now, people go, oh, well, why would he... Why would he um, put mud on somebody's face to make them not blind? That wasn't the point. He knew they were watching. And guess what? It was the Sabbath. It was illegal to make clay because clay is what homes were built for. And that was considered building houses. He knew they were watching. And he said, I'm going to spit on you. I'm going to make clay. I'm going to heal this guy. Take that. It's, you know, <laughs> and the other thing too is they always, yeah, you know, they always make him this wimpy sort of like, and they call him a carpenter. Well, let me tell you, if you look at the history of him, he was probably a stone mason person, um, and which means he was very strong because those houses weren't built out of wood. To get wood back then, you had to float it down the river from wherever it was coming from. So more likely, um, if you look at the the the, the translation, carpenter really means uh, masonry, and and you know, I mean, a lot of things get lost in translation, but. Yeah, he was a badass. Exactly, and, and so I mean, I, he'd be riding a motorcycle today. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, um, it, I, I just, I'm really having fun with this conversation, and uh, I, I know we veered away from maybe what we started out as, but I just think it was this was really good conversation, and I, I know for a fact that there's gonna be a lot of people that listen to this that gain a lot from the from from the first second to now. And yeah, so and hey, if there's anybody out there that wants to contact me and drop a line, or they want to send me hate mail or whatever, that's fine. Yeah, send it to you him. Can, yeah, you can go to josephgranda.com, uh, and you can read my my bio and stuff there. Or if you want, if if you want to reach out to me, or or, or if you're upset with me, I'm okay with that too. I'm my own man. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, you, listen, 
you don't spend as much time uh, doing what you were doing without getting used to people critiquing you. And so uh, it, it is, it's just part of the process in which we live uh, as people who, you know, create stuff for other people to consume. Everybody's going to critique something. Well, yeah. I mean, and when I, when people ask me about my faith and I tell them and they get upset, uh, then I'm clearly over the target. Right. Well, you know. Joseph, man, uh, yeah. you dropped your, your website. Is there anything else you want to promote before we get out of here? Um, no, but I am, I am working on launching a, uh, a podcast, um, a, a, about Sasquatch, but not about sightings. I want to talk about how this giant hairy hominid that's hidden from the world, um, what it means to people, what it means to the American psyche and popular culture. So I'm going to talk to, um, authors and filmmakers that make movies about Sasquatch and business people who own businesses because, whether that um, creature is there or not, people have a fascination and a connection with it. And I'll just tell you briefly, my connection with Sasquatch comes from when I was 10 years old, uh, my father walked out of the house and I never saw him again until he was found dead in a van in the Sequoia National Forest. And, and, and um, every boy needs a legend. And my legend was found for years in Sasquatch of thinking like, what if that was my father? What if he just went off and he lived in the woods? And so I had this, this subconscious and psych psychological connection with, with this beast. I've never gone looking for him, but I mean, if you look over my shoulder, you'll see, you know, frame 352 and I've, I've got my swag nice. and stuff. And so, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about everything, but the sightings and, and what, what it means to you on a more personal, on a personal level. So that's, that's that'll be coming hopefully in the summer. And if, and if you have something that you want to talk about in that realm, um, go to my website, josephgranda.com and you can email me and, and I'll hook you up. That's awesome. I, I, I can't wait till you launch. Uh, if you need anything from me, let me know. Uh, when it launches and stuff, let me know. I'll bring you on for five, 10 minutes just to promote it. Uh, let cool. people know uh, to check it out. Um, Joseph, man, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. And I, and I love your show. I, listen, before we get out of here, though, just remember, remember this. I want to tease this out. And I also want to put pressure on her. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more to talk with you about Hollywood, the culture, all that stuff. We did an episode a long time ago, Paranormal Hollywood, where we had a lady on the show and she was talking about her experiences. She works in the film industry. I've been talking to her recently. She's she she's changed a lot since that episode. In that episode, she was very much entrenched in her career and her mom, who's a Christian, she was like, "My, I love my mom, but she can be a little crazy with, with the Christian stuff. Um, right. And... And to hear her talk now, I, I talked to her a couple of times now in the past couple of months. Um, she's, we're recording this in February. She's leaving her, her career behind because these scales have been lifted off her eyes and she's seeing the industry for what it is. And she's realizing there's so much demonic stuff all around her that she's leaving her career. Uh, I talked to her about you, talked to you about her, and I'm going to try to get you two on together for like a good conversation. And we'll, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll make that uh, like membership content for sure. Cool. Because uh, we're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Joseph, thank All right. you very much, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please, please, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show. Anything you can do to get the show in front of other eyeballs and ear holes would be greatly, greatly appreciated because... That is what keeps the show going is you guys sharing the show and getting it in front of other people. Thank you very much, friends. And just like I said in the beginning of the show, we are doing the Legion of Legends documentary 
Expedition Dogman. If you want to get in on that early VIP pass, you got to go to www.merkel.media to get your VIP pass for March 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the world VIP premiere. And if you don't want to get in on that action, that's fine. Two weeks later on the Confessionals YouTube channel, we will be premiering it to the public. That's March 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Friends, I appreciate you. Thanks for being here. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. And you wonder why people are running from The guy that you say that is shunning them I felt it myself They told me to look somewhere he's not Up in the stars, up in the sky, up in the clouds Like he's not around So I empty myself with every distraction Got dropped by my tires, a ball can't get any traction Where's compassion? We following kings, but they only from Akron Whoa I just know that we're more than what they tell us We're overzealous when we protect what is precious We get confused when those things start to propel us into things we don't want to do leave us helpless there's only one who gives us peace when we are restless i know that now